0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good morning. Yes, I'm Daniela. I'm from the Santon Church, but around these parts, these parts, I'm also known as Catherine May's doppelganger. So um, there are certain people... Tim, who just cannot tell us apart. He absolutely cannot tell us apart. And it's, it's not only Tim, Tim, it's not you, I'm just picking on you, but I take it as a compliment. So, hello, I'm Daniela to Catherine May to others. So, good morning to all of you. Okay. Um, there was a picture of me and my family, which consists of me, my husband, and my unborn child. So, um, that is us. Um, and I have no time to tell you anything more about us. I'm going to kick right in. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to share this morning and I'm really excited. Um, Steph shared in his prayer. It's actually been something that's been stirring in my heart for a long, long, long time. So to condense it, condense it into one message has been quite a challenge. So, um, I'm going to kick in and then we'll pray. And let's go for it. I'm going to start by reading the scripture that we have been reading together as a church as I continue in the series of us being Christians in the city and how is it that we live as Christians in the city. So I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. We're going to focus on that portion of scripture this morning, um, but I'm going to carry on reading just for context. plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we've learned through the series so far that a good portion of the Israelites were forcibly removed from their hometown of Jerusalem, the holy city, and taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar to the land or the city of Babylon. And although they were forcibly removed, as the Lord indicates in that scripture, This exile was also justly initiated by God as Israel's punishment. So what is the real reason, actually, that Israel was sent into exile? Um, In the book, When Helping Hurts, I don't know if anyone's read it, but the (laughs) the authors start by answering this question, and it knocked me for a six. So we have this idea in our heads that the Israelites, the first thing that they would do when they woke up in the morning is get out of bed and run off to the nearest shrine to worship the first idol that they could find. And whilst that's true, because there's a lot of Old Testament scriptures that do point to the fact that there was an idolatry problem in Israel, there are other scriptures in the Old Testament that point to another, if not more prominent reason for their exile, So there's a few in Isaiah, but I'm going to read you one from Isaiah just to give you an idea. I'm reading from Isaiah 58. So just before I get into it, I just want to give you the build-up to this portion of Scripture. So basically, God is saying, you know, Israel seems like a nation who's eager to know my ways, that they're eager to do right, and that they really do seek me. And Israel is saying to God, Lord, do you not see all of our religious efforts? Do you not see our fasting as being clothed in sackcloth and ashes? Because it seems like you don't hear us. And God says to them, you're fasting, yes, but once you're done, you do as you please. You're exploiting your workers. You're fighting with one another. How can you expect to fast like you do today and, have, and expect to have your voice heard by me? And then God says to them in verse 6, is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. So in this scripture and scriptures like it, Israel seems to be um, almost classified or characterized by a strong sense of personal devotion. And an expression of outward worship. So you see in the scriptures, Israel was pretty faithful in giving sacrifices, in praying, in fasting, in um, celebrating the religious holidays. But God wasn't pleased with them. (laughs) God wanted his people to loose the chains of injustice and not just attend church on a Sunday. He wanted his people to clothe the naked and not just go to First Monday prayer. He wanted his people to spend themselves on behalf of the hungry and not just sing praise and worship. So personal devotion and formal worship are essential to the Christian life, don't get me wrong. But they must lead to lives which act justly and love mercy. And it's so significant for me how God gives the Israelites a mission in exile to seek the welfare of the city to which he sent them and to pray to him on its behalf for in its welfare they would find their welfare. Because essentially, the very reason that the Israelites were sent into exile was because of their neglect of the welfare of their city. And yet in exile, God would give them a mission to seek the welfare of the city which they were sent to. Um, Almost like God is graciously and mercifully giving them a second chance to correct the thing that got them into captivity in the first place. And our call as the church today is no different. I mean, there's a few scriptures I can read, but there's one that stands out, and that's in Matthew 25, and it's the words of Jesus, and they're very hard to just read past. They are words that cut to the heart every time I read them, um, and I'm just going to read a, a portion of it. This is, these are the words that Jesus will say to the faithful at the end of days. He says, "'For I was hungry, and you gave me food.'" I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the faithful say to him, Lord, when did we do these things to you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So Jesus not only calls us to the least of these, but he identifies with them as though he were one of them. And what struck me this morning when I was looking at the scripture again was that, in many ways, Jesus is describing many of us. Perhaps many of us sitting here now, but many of us who've come from this place. We were those who were hungry and thirsty, longing for something more in this life, sure that there was something more. And then upon meeting Jesus, we're fully satisfied, being sure that there could be nothing else that we need except for him. In many ways, we were the strangers. We were strangers to God, separated, to, separated from him, and yet in Christ, we were re- reconciled to him and welcomed by the Father into his presence. We were the ones who were naked, who were standing ashamed because of our sin, who are now clothed by Jesus that we can come to him boldly in his presence. So, I mean, in a spiritual sense on one hand, but also in a literal sense, I think if we consider what does the welfare of a city look like, I think that this is exactly what it would look like. I think that it would look like welcoming strangers, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and those in prison. And in light of um, Isaiah, I think it would look like loosing the chains of injustice, setting the oppressed free, sharing our food with the hungry, and providing the poor wanderer with shelter. And I love how when when this letter to the exiles starts, God starts by reminding them that he sent them. Um, Henny's preached a whole sermon on this, but it's really important, I think, just to establish at the beginning of this one as well that it's not coincidence or just really bad circumstances that led Israel to be in Babylon. God reminds them he sent them into Babylon. And he didn't just send them, but he sent them with a mission. And so I think that we shouldn't underestimate God's sovereign hand in our circumstances that would lead him... Um, to cause us to, each one of us, to be sitting here in this city, in this time, in this season, and perhaps it's because his plan is to use us to seek the welfare of the city where he has sent us. We're not just here by coincidence. When the Lord orchestrates these circumstances, it means he has a plan and an intention. Let us not mistake the fact that each one of us has been sent here. It's not just Convenient circumstances that brought us here, and that's something super exciting, that the Lord would intend to use us for the purpose of His mighty cause in our city. So, if we are called to the least of these, if we're called to seek the welfare of our city of Joburg, then what is it that prevents us from doing so? So, I think that there could be a number of reasons, but this morning I'm going to discuss two hot. Heart- Positions which I think might be the starting point for many of the reasons that keep us from um, getting our hands dirty on the ground and, and loving the least of these. And the one hot position I think is that we live in the city of Joburg as passers-by, or we live in the city as Joburg a city of Joburg, as permanent residents. And I think that the Israelites in exile fell into either one of these categories, and that there's a lot that we can learn from them. So that's what we're going to do this morning, is just unpack these two hard postures um, and trust the Holy Spirit to correct them if they exist in us. Cool. Let me pray for us as we go in. Yeah, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we are your church. We thank you so much, Lord, for what you have saved us from, Father, that we can now be welcomed into your presence, Lord. And I pray, Father, that your love for each one of our hearts, Lord, even as I speak this morning, God, because we are able to love because you first loved us. And I pray that you'd stir in us a desire for the least of these, a love for the least of these, to show them the love which you have shown us, Lord God. And we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to move and minister in our hearts, to bring correction. But most of all, God, we ask you to inspire our hearts for the things that um, you dream of in our city. We pray that you give us a vision, Lord, that you would cause our hearts to burn for the purposes of your kingdom in this place. Amen. All right, cool. So let's start with addressing the passers-by. Okay, so the passers-by are people who live in Jo'burg for a predetermined season. And I say predetermined because they've already decided when they move here that they're not going to be here for long. So they come maybe to study or to work, build up a career, and then jet off to greener pastures. Um, Passers-by will very rarely... Settled roots in Joburg because they know that they're not going to be here for long. And I can speak this bluntly because up until last year, I pretty much defined this category. Um, In, just to tell you a story, so in 2018, I was on a four-month church planting mission in Kenya. And in that time, God really burned on my heart a desire for the nations. Like, all I wanted to do was just go on mission for the rest of my life. Um, But then I moved to Joburg, and um, the move to Joburg was in obedience, because in my second year of university, I'd still felt that the Lord was saying that he was going to call me back to Joburg, so obviously, you know, if God sends you, it's going to be amazing, right? It was not amazing, so I spent, like, the first three years of my time in Joburg just complaining in our highs and lows and small group about how much I was struggling to settle into the city I mean, God had stirred a passion on my heart for the nations. So every single day that I was still in Joburg was an absolute struggle. Um, so I just resolved, you know, I know God's going to call me out. So let me just do my time here, and then at the first sign that God, you know, summons me out of the city, then I'll go. So even, even after getting married to Stefan in in 2019, and I'm I'm not I'm not joking but I was literally reluctant to put pictures up on our wall because I knew that God was going to call us out. So I'm not going to invest in pictures and scatter cushions because what am I going to do with them when he calls us out of the city? So um, I was pretty satisfied with what we had and had a plan. So, um, so then I just continued to wait. Then in 2020, we were not called out of Joburg. 2021, we were still there. By 2022, I was like if the Lord doesn't radically give me a new perspective, I do not know how I'm going to carry on here. Because I know that I'm called to be here, but my life could not feel more purposeless. And I just don't understand why he caused this stirring in my heart and he'd keep me here. Um, so I had a heart-to-heart with God because honestly, I I, <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do if I if I didn't know how to treat my time here. And so I had a heart-to-heart with the Lord and I just felt encouraged to carry on reading from where I'd left off in the Word. And at the time, I was reading Jeremiah. So, lo and behold, I opened to Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 11, and read a passage of Scripture that would change my Joburg life forever, which is the Scripture that we just read together. And what I learned from reading the Scripture was, first of all, how one's natural inclination towards being in a city that they don't believe is their own, or a city which they don't believe is their true home, is that one will live in that city just passing through, um, just during their time, until such a time they'll move to the city that they believe that they really belong. And yet, God instructs Israel to make Babylon their home. If we can pull up Jeremiah 29 again, we'll see that he says to build houses and live in them, to plant gardens and eat their produce, to take wives and have sons and daughters, to take wives for their sons and give their daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, to multiply and not decrease. So essentially, God is commanding Israel, or the Israelites who were there, the exiles, to live in Babylon as though they'll stay. He was commanding them not to live as passers-by, but to make Babylon their home. And this was my call to Joburg. When I read the scripture, it was as though I felt the Lord saying to me, Daniela, make Joburg your home. Live here as though you'll stay, but also live here as though you're sent. Don't wait for my call out of the city. I've sent you here with a mission to seek the welfare of the city and to pray to me on its behalf. And my promise to you is that in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And it was like the biggest weight was lifted over my shoulders and that I could see clearly for the first time. And I just resolved again in that moment to be like, regardless if my time in Joburg is just for a season, and maybe it is still just for a season, the Lord knows, but regardless if it's just for a season, I'm called to live here as though I'll stay. And, and I think that that's a, a call for a couple of people in the room even this morning, that maybe you know for a fact that Joburg is just a season or you're sitting in your chairs really hoping (laughs) that Joburg is just a season. But regardless of which one is true, our call is to live in the city as though we'll stay. Um, Let me just find my place. Okay. So my question to us is in how many of us are passers-by? We're just in Johannesburg for a short time and already have our sights set on the next thing, neglecting to settle roots in the city and live as though we'll stay. And who of you, like me, need to consecrate your hearts to the Lord and to give yourselves to him and allow him to use you for the purposes for which he has planned for you in this city, in this season? There's a quote by Matthew Henry He was a Bible commentary, commentary, commentator from the 1700s. And he says, if the Israelites were to seek and pray for the welfare of the city they were sent in captivity, how much more should we seek and pray for the welfare of the city of our nativity? So I just experienced in that moment with God that that moment that I decided in my heart to make Joburg my home and to obey the Lord and trust him that he sent me here was almost like it was the moment that I became movable for God for the first time. So before accepting Joburg as my home um, and trusting the Lord, it was as though I was missioning to leave rather than planning to stay. And in so doing, I had unknowingly just closed off my eyes to seeing the things that the Lord wanted me to see in the spaces around me and blocked off my heart from being moved by him for the things that move him. And I know this because shortly after this, this whole revelation or this whole change of heart, I found God very unexpectedly, very unexpectedly, stirring up my heart for sex workers in our neighborhood. And I ended up, um, I'm now part of a ministry who goes into brothels and strip clubs in and around Joburg to pray and minister, for the, uh, minister to the women there and trust the Lord for their freedom and if they are set free, we take them through a process of restoration as well. And it's been radical. It's been radic- Please ask me about my testimonies afterwards. I don't have time to share them this morning. But um, there's one there's one that I do want to share just because I haven't touched yet on the significance of, of our call to pray for the welfare of the city. So when I joined this ministry, they told me that they did operate in Rivonia. And Rivonia is actually where I, it's where I live. So for those of you who haven't been in a while... Ravonia, <laughs> Rivonia needs a Lord, but um, there's like a whole block, there's one block that has at least three um, strip clubs in a block. You can walk from one to the other, and in between are scattered a couple of adult shops and things like that, um, and it's like I was blind to those things until the Lord opened my eyes to see them. Anyway, so they operated in Ravonia, but they told me that they were considering moving out of Ravonia because the ground was so hard they weren't able, they hadn't been able to gain access into these strip clubs for years. So, um, yeah, they were considering leaving. And the first night that I joined the, an outreach, I wasn't part of the Rivonia team. I was in Randburg and Midrand. But the Rivonia team reported back that for the first time in years, they had gained access into teasers. And um, the one lady was still like, miracle of miracles, we've gained access into teasers. And I sat there in awe actually because and I shared this with them as well that a few weeks prior, our small group had done a prayer drive um, through Ravonia Boulevard, specifically asking the Lord to open doors in these hard places. And we were all just shook (laughs) because we were just reminded that the doors which are impossible for us to kick down are the doors which God causes to fall down in prayer. And, um, and I, I still believe that, because we don't always get to see the impact of our prayers, but that God gave us a little snippet just to encourage us and to show us how he uses our prayers for the sake of the welfare of the city and we should not stop. Um, yeah, so at the time, um, at this time where God was doing all these crazy things in my heart, I'd shared with my sister how I'd actually felt the Lord press, press three people groups on my heart. He pressed the poor, the prisoner, and the prostitute. And my sister very wisely encouraged me. Bless you, um, my sister. <laughs> very wisely encouraged me to pick to pick one people group because it was going to be physically impossible for me to single-handedly reach all three. And that was such a beautiful moment for me because it reminded me that God has created a body to seek the welfare of the city. And imagine how wonderfully a city could be transformed if the whole body was available to be moved by God. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands... Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. It's the words of Teresa of Avila. So we have one advantage which the Israelites did not have, and that is that we have the Holy Spirit in us. So do not underestimate the things which the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to see in the city when you make yourself available. The things that you see might be different to the things that the person next to you sees. So for me, the Lord opened my eyes to the slavery of sex work in my city. For you, he might open your eyes to the brokenness of the poor, or the loneliness of the orphan, or the hopelessness of the sick, or the shame of the prisoner, or the prevalence of darkness in the spiritual. Whatever it is, let us not underestimate the God who in Philippians says... It's God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's the one who works in us to be moved for the things which move him. So he does the first move. We just have to make our hearts available. Permanent residence. Thought I forgot about you. Okay. Okay. You're a permanent resident if you were sitting here being like, yes, Daniela, tell them they shouldn't leave Joburg. So um, so passes by the people who, are, who have a plan to leave. Permanent residents are the ones who have taken maybe a little too literally the call to stay. So they are settled quite well in Joburg. Their roots are nice and deep, but maybe a little too deep to the point that they're not going anywhere. And um, So just as there were Israelites who were looking for the first sign to leave Babylon, which is why the Lord had to encourage them to build houses, plant gardens, live as though you'll stay, there were also Israelites who were quite comfortable to stay in Babylon. Permanent residents, I call them. So when I was preparing for the sermon, I did a little bit of research because I really wanted to paint for you guys a picture, a realistic picture of how awful Babylon was at the time of exile. Um, just so that you could really empathize with the Israelites when God tells them to make this awful place um, their home. And I struggled, because all the research shows that at the time of the exile, Babylon was actually this exceptional city. That under King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon was not only a a wonder to behold, but it was also a center for the arts and intellectual pursuits, Babylon made it onto the list of seven wonders because of its famously beautiful hanging gardens. So Babylon, besides having a couple of dodgy people, was not actually such a bad place to stay, sort of like Cape Town. Um, I had to put that in there. (laughs) So, (laughs) So remember with me, I'm not even going to apologize for that. Okay. <laughs> so remember in verse 10, God makes a promise to the exiles and he says to them, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, which is Jerusalem. I will bring you back home. And God had to give the exiles this promise because they were distraught about the fact that they were that they were being jet off to um, Babylon unwillingly away from their people, their families, the temple. So the Lord had to, um, well, obviously it was his plan as well, but he had to communicate to them that he was going to bring him back because they needed that encouragement, right? Yet, when the opportunity came for God's people to return to Jerusalem, most of them chose to stay. Most of them chose to stay. It was a tragedy. Um, and some commentators some commentators put it so well. So they say, once God's people make peace with their exile, they are generally loath to leave it behind. Do not fall in love with your exile. Enduring is one thing. Embracing is quite another. So permanent residents of Joburg, do not settle so deep that should the Lord call you and your family out of this land to a land that he may choose for you, you choose to stay. Do not settle so deep that your comfort becomes a greater priority than obeying the call to seek the welfare of the city which he has sent you. If the Israelites were to seek and pray for the city of their captivity, how much more should we seek and pray for the welfare of the city of our nativity? notice i drink water when i'm about to finish so that's your sign okay um um, cool so what is the resolution if we're not to be passers-by and we're not to be permanent residents then who are we to be and i really want to emphasize this question who are we the question of who are we, I think, is so much more important than answering the question, what are we to do? Because I think the question of what are we to do is probably racing through a couple of people's heads if as we've spoken about the welfare of the city. Because if we're able to answer the question, who are we, and we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. And um, yeah, just to be frank, like, in the build-up to this message, I, I wasn't super excited to share it just because I felt and I said to the Lord I was just like you've spoken this word super clearly into my heart but what am I doing (laughs) like how is it that I fall so quickly back into the patterns of this world so back into the patterns of comfort how is it that it seems like I just seem to forget that you've called me to seek the welfare of the city and then I just felt like God was pressing this question right back at me Daniela who are you If you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. And this is who we are. We are not passers-by, and we are not permanent residents, but the Word calls us citizens of heaven. That is who we are. Cool. In, um, just to share another story, in 2015, I went on a 10-day mission trip to Kenya, so that was before my four-month church planting, And I don't know what I was expecting, um, but Nairobi was nothing like what I expected. Um, Kenya looked a lot more like Africa than I anticipated. (laughs) So I found myself immediately uncomfortable. Um, As we were driving in the shuttle to our mission base, I was wrestling so much in my heart um, because I already found that I was wishing the time away. We hadn't even arrived yet, hardly, and I was already wishing the time away. And I just consoled myself, and I was like, Daniela, you're just going to be here for 10 days. Like, after 10 days, you're going to be going be back home in your own bed. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's 10 days. Daniella, you can, you can live wholeheartedly for the Lord in these 10 days because soon you're going to be back home in your own bed. And in the same moment, I realized with a shock that if I could motivate myself to bear the discomfort of my obedience— by reminding myself that in 10 days' time I would be back home, how much more should I be able to live wholeheartedly for the Lord, enduring any discomfort in obedience, knowing that one day I'll be home with him for eternity as a citizen of heaven? Jeremiah 29, 10 to 11, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I'll bring you back home. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So although exiles in Babylon, the Israelites were still citizens of Jerusalem. So with God ending this letter to the exiles with the promise that he will bring them back home... And giving them the assurance that whilst it doesn't make sense his plans for them are good it was as though god was beckoning them both to endure and to live wholeheartedly as they seek the welfare of the city to which he sent them because they could be sure that they were not going to be there forever they would soon be home and although exiles in this world which is what the bible calls us christians in christ we are citizens of heaven and this letter reminds us, too, that we have the promise of going home to the Father, and that whilst it doesn't make sense in the in-between, we can be assured that God's plans for us are good. So God is beckoning us to both endure and to live wholeheartedly in the pursuit of the welfare of the city to which he sent us, because we can be sure that we're not going to be here forever. We will soon be home. Um, this hope given to the Israelites was a hope, in a sense, for their lifetime. But it is one which echoes into our eternity. And there was a scripture I just remembered last night um, about Abraham in Hebrews. I don't have it yet, so I'm depending on the screen as well. Hebrews 11, verse, well, taking 8 to 10. But by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And this was just such a beautiful picture that just brought it all together. That first of all, Abraham obeyed because of his absolute reverence for who God was. He lived the scripture in between, I don't know why I didn't add it, but the scripture in between talks about how he lived in tents. Um, So almost pointing to the discomfort of his obedience. But the thing which drove his endurance, was the assurance that one day he would be a citizen of heaven, that he would be a citizen of the city whose foundations and builder is God. Um, how much more can we do the same? Let us learn from his act of faith. All right, um, Band, you can, you can start coming up. I like what Henny, Henny always says. He always says that God doesn't do what he isn't prepared he doesn't ask us to do what he isn't prepared to do himself. And it's, and it's applicable in this case as well. So Jesus was the original citizen of heaven. He is God. And yet he was willingly exiled to a city that was not his own. And so essentially God exiled himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And he was exiled not for his punishment or for the punishment of his sins, but to bear the punishment for ours, And during his time in exile, he sought the welfare of not just the city, but of the whole of humanity. Because for the joy set before him, for that hope set before him, the hope of being with the Father and the hope of us being with him with the Father, he endured the cross, um, conquered its humiliation, and he's now risen. Our king is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and has made plenty of space in his heavenly home for anyone who would call on him and believe in him and trust in his sacrifice. So, for us this morning, my call is for the joy set before us of being with him in our eternal home forever. Being with the lover of our souls, the one who loves us with an everlasting love. Let us endure the challenge, the discomfort, and the sacrifice which comes with a life laid down for Christ just as he laid down his for us, looking to Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, and remembering that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of faithful men and women who have gone before us, cheering us on, showing us that it's worth it to live wholeheartedly for the Lord while we're here, because we will soon be with him. Amen. Cool. You guys can just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us. You can stay seated. God, we thank you so much that The mystery of your will is that we would be your hands and feet in this city. We thank you, God, that we can be so assured, Lord, that we are not here by accident, God, but that you've sent each one of us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, Lord, to see. I pray, God, also that you would help, that you will heal our short-sightedness, God, our nearsightedness, which sees so close, Lord. I pray that you'd Help us, Lord, to see into eternity, God, that we would be motivated to move by faith and radical obedience, Father, because we know what we're living towards. Yeah, Father, I pray we give you permission to move in our hearts, Lord, for the things that move yours, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom. I pray that you'll activate us as a church, Lord, to be well used by you in this city. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joberg.com.